And now, your go-to source for year-round fantasy hockey advice, DFS and betting coverage. This is NHL Fantasy on Ice. What's going on, everybody? Pete and Nick back with you, NHL Fantasy on Ice, for some more fantasy talk. Also, some futures chatter here on the program today. We're excited about that, Nick. Thursday, January 13th. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. Uh, just hanging in there. It was an exhilarating night of NHL action. Just three games. We thought they were going to be both blowouts, or all three were going to be blowouts. And then, well, Karel Vimelka happened. Uh, but on this week's episode, Pete, excited. Uh, one of my former co-hosts on NHL Network Radio, now with Mayo Media Net as well, Jake Hahn stopping by. What's going on, Jake? Uh, not too much, boys. Great to be on with you. You guys are always generous with your time on our show on Mondays, joining us every Monday and, and kicking off the week. So happy to return the favor in a small way and, and talk to you guys. You guys do a great job here on the pod. You know, I'm a big baseball guy. Uh, I used yes. to be a big Melky Cabrera guy, the milkman, until we found out, well, you know what we found out. Uh, but the <laughs> yeah. new milkman's in charge. I'm going to call him Kurt Angle. Karel Vimelka. Uh, I think he deserves his flowers in DFS, in fantasy. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. His third game this season of 45 plus saves. He was outstanding and, and good on Arizona. Like you got to love those dogs, pun intended. Well, you make the Melky Cabrera reference. Do we need to start yeah. testing uh, Karel Vimelka? <laughs> this guy looked like he was on something in that game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he's actually been kind of a sneaky streamer lately. I've streamed him a couple of times. Um, I, you know, I play with you, Nick, in a really deep league. I play in another league that's even deeper. So when you're streaming a goaltender, you got to get pretty greasy. Like you, you don't want to pick up the Yotes goaltenders, but sometimes you kind of have to, especially lately the last month or so navigating the COVID issues and just trying to get your goaltender starts your minimums for the week. So, so I think, you know, picking him up and the amount of shots too, that Arizona gives up, even if he doesn't get you a win, he might, he's going to get you like 35, 36 saves and hopefully he doesn't give up four or five goals and, and ruin your week. But I, I kind of think that they might have something there uh, in Corel Vimelka and, and the Yotes started this season looking like they were trying to lose games with the goaltenders they were throwing out there. So maybe they, uh, they kick them to the curb because they're like, all right, you're just winning too many games for us now, buddy. I don't know if I have the courage to, uh, and the guts to pick up Melka in a yeah. season long league, but DFS, if you can find some yeah. crazy saves prop out there, certainly he'll be worth your while on some of those nights, especially if the team they're playing is on second of a back to back, but yeah, I mean, Jake, I wanted to mention to you because so much of the fantasy talk this week has been about the Boston Bruins. And from a future standpoint, they're a really intriguing team to me. It feels like renewed sense of worth in that regard a little bit, right? With now two strong lines, you see Matt Grizzlick putting up points. You see Tuka Rask sign the dotted line and officially rejoin the Bruins. He could start as early as Thursday for them as their number two goalie right now. So, or maybe number one, depending on how good he is, but what is your thought on the Bruins from a future standpoint? Because it seems like the stars are starting to align here a little bit. It's amazing how much the narrative can flip and how much the opinion, your opinion of a team could flip in just a week or two, a couple of weeks ago, if you asked me that question, I would say, I want nothing to do with the Boston Bruins. They have no Same. depth. <laughs> they can't score top the, you know, past the top line. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Tuka Rask and how that situation is going to play out. Now we're here. They've broken up the perfection line and it's worked uh, unbelievable for them. I, I mean, they're still getting so much production from Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron on that top line. Now they've spread things out a little bit. And, you know, I feel like what they were doing with the perfection line worked for a team that might have had depth on the second, third or fourth lines. 
Boston just didn't have that. So I think that this is the right move, at least in the short term. I'm curious if they continue it long term and into the playoffs and have the lines like this. Maybe they even make a move closer to the deadline. In terms of a future, I think the you know the one thing really working against the Boston Bruins when they do get into the playoffs and it does look like I'm sure you guys have been following the standings that we already have yeah. our eight playoff teams in the Eastern conference. It doesn't look like there's going to be an outsider making a push and Boston's going to be one of those teams, but the path that they're going to have to go through probably beating a, a Tampa and then a Florida or a Toronto and a Tampa it's, it's going to be a difficult path, but they're certainly capable of doing it. We've seen them have playoff success quite recently as well. It's just, can, can they beat two of those teams to get into the third round? I think that's the question that you're asking yourself, but in terms of odds, you're getting a better price on Boston than you are going to get on Tampa or Florida or Toronto for that matter. So if you want to take a bite at it, um, I don't think that it's the worst play because they, they certainly proven in the past that they can beat some really top teams. Yeah, well, that I mean, that to me is the interesting thing about this whole conundrum about a futures play on Boston and some housekeeping on that. Obviously, you want to, you know, you want to add to Karask. He's around 65% owned. Jeremy Swayman, goodbye. I had to say goodbye the other day. I had some tissues beside me. I just saw oh, it was tough. Uh, Craig Smith, Eric Halla, Matt Grizzlick. I think you're looking at guys like that right now. They're 6 1 0. Uh, in January as we speak right now. But guys, and I'd love to go around the table, Pete, maybe we can start with you, just the futures play. Like, you know, how much value is there in a futures play right now with Boston, considering, as Jake mentioned, who they'd have to go through? Like, they're likely at this point in time, guys, to have to be in one of those wildcard spots. So you're probably playing, you know, I don't know, a Tampa, a Florida, uh, one of those types of teams. I don't even know who's going to come out. Carolina, I mean, there's good, there's so many good teams, and that's my wonder, Pete. Jake mentioned Toronto being a team that's like a little above them in the pecking order. I mean, I would go every day of the week. I would go Boston over Toronto in a seven game playoff series if they met or even their own chances individually against any of those other good teams, Florida, Tampa Bay, you know, those, those teams in the, in the Atlantic division. So I do think they're underpriced compared to Toronto. Uh, I see plus 1800. I see plus 2000 on the Bruins to win the cup. I think it's decent value. I'm not crazy certain that it's going to happen or that they're going to win two rounds because two rounds is a tall task. One can certainly happen against anybody for a team like that, especially if it's the last go around for Tuka Rask. Uh, So I am intrigued. Uh, I did notice Boston has the third best shot attempts percentage in the NHL at five on five behind only Florida and Carolina. So that's a really good underlying metric to show you that maybe Boston has an even higher gear and what they're doing right now, all things considered on the ice is pretty strong. The the one way you could approach this as well, too, because we just talked about like four of the best teams in the league are all in the same division. They're all in the Atlantic. I'd say you, you could argue three of the top five teams are all in the Atlantic right now with Florida, Tampa, and Toronto, and Boston's kind of sneaking up there as well. Do you play another side of the bracket and just hope that those Atlantic teams kind of beat the crap out of each other? Only one of them is going to make it to the third round most likely. So do you maybe play the Metro side of the bracket? You look at a Carolina who you can still find for double digits out there. I've seen Washington hanging around 20 to one lately as well with the, you know, a bit of the dip, a losing streak right now for the Caps, you know, maybe even the Pens with what they're doing. They're obviously one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now. So I'm curious if maybe you approach it like that and just avoid the, the Tampa, Florida, Boston, and Toronto because it's going to be really difficult to predict which of those four teams is going to come through. And for Pittsburgh, who you mentioned, uh, as good as they've been, and Tristan Jari, if you're talking about Vezina Trophy candidates, again, we don't know what he's going to do in the playoffs this year. Can he redeem (laughs) himself? But regular season-wise, 
his numbers and the start volume and the save percentage and everything stacks up with any goalie in the entire league, whether it's Vasilevsky, Freddie Anderson, Jack Campbell, uh, Shesterkin, any of those guys. Jari's as good as any of them statistically, so he's got to be in that mix. And then Pittsburgh also just got Evgeny Malkin back, and what a performance for him in his season debut, right, guys? Two goals, and all of a sudden that Pittsburgh offense looks even more dangerous than we thought they did earlier in the week. Do you guys think this is legit with Pittsburgh right now? Or is this mm. just like a team getting really hot for a full, like, I mean, they've been hot for a full month now. This isn't just a couple yeah. weeks, but you know, is this just their peak of the season or are they actually kind of back and like a legit contender? Cause I was watching them the other night. It looked so good at both ends of the ice. Like they got up a couple goals on Anaheim and usually score effects takes place and Anaheim going to get some shots, but they could barely get the puck over center ice, like it, defensively, offensively, they just seem loaded right now. So do you think that they're, they're legit? They're an absolute wagon. Like, I, yeah. I mean, they're, it, it's just so difficult to quantify what they are because as Pete astutely mentioned, Tristan Jari, like I still have nightmares of last year's Stanley cup playoffs and I'm sure Pittsburgh, the players do the management do. And then all of a sudden, like I wanted to bang that drum on today's episode, Tristan Jari, all this talk about Shesterkin, and Jack Campbell. He's my guy right now. 18, six and four, three shutouts, 1.91 and 9.32. And oh yeah, half the roster has missed the majority of the season. They started without Crosby. Obviously they started without Malkin, Rust, Gensel. How's my argument, Jake, for, for Vesna? At least at this point, we got a lot of hockey left and the Islanders have a whole season to play though. So. Well, and I'll add to your argument as well. Sometimes when you're looking at a Vesna candidate and you're looking at a goaltender, it's just look at what the backup does when they get in there and compare the numbers. And I think you guys have probably seen what happens when Casey DeSmith gets in there for Tough. Pittsburgh. I'll, I'll do respect to the guy, but it has not been great when he gets a start for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I think that shows you what you need to know. Both of those goaltenders are playing behind the same blue line. They're playing behind the same structure. One has great numbers. One has terrible numbers. So I, I think that that just furthers your argument to Tristan Jari. And what a bounce back. I mean, he was good in the regular season last year. Obviously, it didn't end how he wanted to in the playoffs. And a lot of people were really putting that playoff series on the shoulders of Tristan Jari. So I think he had a lot to prove this year. And so far, you know, through almost half of the season, he's come out and, and he's really proved a lot of the doubters wrong. Now, ultimately, that narrative is still going to come down to what he does in the playoffs. But from a fan fantasy perspective, if you're a Jari owner, you don't really care about the, the actual NHL playoffs. You just care about what he does in your fantasy playoffs. Yeah, Pittsburgh looks extremely likely to make the playoffs right now because the Islanders are you know, so far behind them, even behind Boston for the final spot. They're 16 points behind the Bruins, wow. with five games in hand, but that only makes up 10 of the 16 in a best case scenario. Right now, the Islanders, I mean, if you're stepping back and looking at it, they're returning to action on Thursday. They're scheduled to play the New Jersey Devils, who they beat last time out. Um, but again, the Islanders have had multiple COVID issues this year, having to play when guys were missing, having games postponed. The whole road trip was just postponed out of their control, unfortunately for them. But I mean, this it's we're reaching the point where the Islanders might have to reel off like a 10 game winning streak just to get back into contention. I mean, are, is this likely at all? Is this possible at all? Uh, it's looking pretty bleak right now for me on Thursday, January 13th. I think it's extremely unlikely, but if there was a team at the bottom of the standings, like I just said earlier, how it feels like the eight teams in, in the Eastern conference are all decided at this point in terms of a playoff spot, but 
the Islanders or this version of an Islanders team has proven in the past that they can get ridiculously hot and they could rhyme off 10, 11 wins. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not putting my money on it, but I'm also not going to put it past Barry Trotz and that New York Islanders team. And I'd ask you guys as well with how many games the Islanders have, whether they make the playoffs or not, I think it's sort of a separate debate, but from a fantasy perspective, you got to think there's some value with Islanders players the, the rest of the way. I know they don't score a ton and they're a really tricky team to figure out for fantasy because it seems to be a different guy every single night, but they've just got so many games left. Like, do you stash some Islanders that are maybe sitting on your waiver wire right now? Look, I'm practicing positivity in this new year, 2022. So I'm going to be positive, like Islanders fans, that you are making the standing up playoffs. Oh, wow. But very, very, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, as for your question, I, I think at this point, like I made the joke last week, we're going to get to the fantasy playoffs, Jake. It's going to be all the Canadian teams and the New York Islanders playing games for you. So I think it'd be wise to invest in some miles product right now. Obviously the goaltending, I think there's a buy low ability in, in a Semyon Varlamov. I know Dobson was on fire before they got, uh, you know, stopped again lately. So, I mean, there's looks you can have, but I wouldn't go too far, you know, depth wise. Like I don't think I'd venture to the Anders Lee territory just yet. Like Jake, I think you have to be smart about it too. You can't just start plucking Islanders players just for the sake of it. Right. Yeah, I, I tried this already once this season because early in the year, Islanders were struggling. They you know lost some games, and I thought, okay, they've got a busy schedule coming up. Eventually, they're going to get something going. I grabbed Beauvillier, grabbed a couple of other guys, and is just <laughs> he's just so frustrating. Like he'll, He's so yeah. hot and cold. He can get really hot, obviously, but he can go really, really cold as well, and you just it, it's just difficult to target which Islander is going to be the guy you know, consistently because it is, you know, even Matt Barzal is inconsistent, and he's expected yeah. to be you know, their top score so it's difficult but i do think that there is some value in the islanders in terms of fantasy moving forward once once the dust settles they're gonna have a ton of home games as well in the second half of the season and just a lot of games in general and you know the guy you know the guys i i would even say just to disagree a little bit on anders lee nick i think that lee you know with points in five straight games goals in two straight i know that there have been breaks in the action in between yeah but he's still pretty high end and he plays with Barzell, who's certainly been heating up um, with what, like an eight game point streak or something mm -hmm. like that. So, you know, I believe in him. I believe in Wallstrom to an extent in a deeper league. I like Dobson. Dobson's reached like must roster territory in most fantasy leagues. And then, uh, yeah, the goaltending is good. Uh, Brock Nelson will have his share of multi-point games the rest of the way. That's a guy that could, break a slate any given night if you're looking for a daily streamer but in general I'm really hesitant to load up on Islanders like I'm talking having more than one on your team because I mean generally speaking right last year we saw what happened remember the season got pushed back a little bit and some of the games that teams had in hand didn't end up counting in the fantasy playoffs so that's a risk that you run if you go too heavy on the Islanders because they haven't been able to stay in the lineup. They haven't been able to play games, right? That's probably the one team that's been uh, derailed the most by this whole COVID outbreak this season. So, yeah, that's what concerns me on many different levels for New York. It's the ultimate catch 22 guys, right? Because like schedule manipulation, Bob's favorite saying, I, I love it, especially come fantasy playoffs, Jake. But then you don't really want to load up on a team that you just have no idea what you're going to get from offensively in fantasy. But like, I think there gets to a point like right now where they have so many games to make up that you sort of have to jump on it. No, Jake. 
You do. And I, well, I think you made the point too about the goaltending. I feel like the true value probably lies yeah. there. Now you're not, you're not going to get Varlamov or Sorokin off the waiver wire. And, you know, unless you play in like a 16 league or an 18 <laughs> league, maybe Varley's sitting on the wire, but it, it could be a, 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 like a trade asset. I think, you know, we, we don't know what to expect from the Islanders offensively and they're very inconsistent. You don't know who's going to step up on a nightly basis, but I, I, I am pretty confident in saying they're going to split Sorokin and Varlamov as much as possible the rest of the way. So I think actually both of them are going to have value and even when the islanders lose games they should be lower scoring games so i think it, it could be a possible trade target for maybe a frustrated owner out there who, who has varlamov just sitting there doing nothing collecting dust or, or soroka <laughs> just kind of sitting there and thinking okay i need an injection of offense into my lineup i feel like those could be goaltenders if you need the help right now to, to maybe go out and, and see if you could swing a trade for before the islanders get busy here Hey, Jake, let's switch it to the West here. I want to get your thoughts on the two top cup contenders, the Avalanche and the Golden Knights. Of course, the Golden Knights had Jack Eichel skating for the first time. That's a sight to see, uh, something we're really excited about for some point this season whenever he makes his debut. But I'm concerned with the back end of those teams to see both of those teams, Colorado and Vegas, in the bottom 10 in five-on-five save percentage is alarming to me. I'm pretty confident that one of those two teams will be playing in the Stanley Cup final. Which of them are you more worried about in regards to the back end and the goaltending uh, moving forward? Yeah, well, actually, you can make legit concerns about both of them. I think the concerns from a Colorado perspective are strictly injury-based. Like, can Darcy Kemper actually stay healthy through a full playoff run is a major, major concern for me. But Colorado's they just seem so good. Like they're like, we'll give you two or three goals. We're going to come back and just score four or five on you. Uh, That's the kind of firepower that we have. So I'd say I'm actually more concerned about Vegas and, you know, Robin Leonard hasn't been great this year. He's been a little better recently, but still very, very shaky banged up a couple of times as well. I don't think they have the depth at the goaltending position like they had last year when they had Marc-Andre Fleury there, they had a couple guys that they could trust and that they could go to. So yeah, I think long-term I'm more concerned about the Vegas gold Knights because, you know, as much as we, are concerned about the health of Darcy Kemper when he's healthy he's usually really good and he, he just went on a tear for about a, a couple of weeks there where he was winning every single night so as long as he stays healthy I have more faith I think in Darcy Kemper than I do in Robin Leonard right now and I feel like the abs just have a little more depth at the goaltending position I don't think we've seen the best of Pavel Francouz yet this season but I, I do think that there's potential there he came back from a long injury and he just really hasn't had a ton of starts yet so I feel they can get him some more games as the season goes on and they're going to want to do that to keep Kemper fresh anyways. I think what the abs have moving forward with Kemper and Francois is slightly better than what Vegas has with uh, Brassois and, and Leonard right now. We've got a big a revenge weekend coming up with Darcy Kemper in Arizona, home and home. So we, we know oh, yeah. we're going to be all over that. Uh, my answer to the abs goaltending situation, uh, he plays for Chicago, Mark Andre Fleury, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, as, as for Vegas, like there's too many what ifs. Like, you know, it's one thing to suggest, yeah, Jack Eichel is going to come back and be a stud, but he's coming off a major injury. And then on top of that, uh, you know, they're going to have to finagle through this cap situation one way or another. What, what's your best guess as to what happens, Jake, when it comes to, to Vegas? Because at this point in time, if you were to ask me, like a pretty good player is probably coming off that roster to make room for Eichel, no? 
Yeah, I've heard tons of different theories out there. I even heard the theory of saying just tell Jack Eichel not to come back and to wait to the playoffs. <laughs> like you're not, you're not going to do that. You're not going to no. tell him just to. You know, he's been so excited. He comes over to Vegas. He was stuck in Buffalo for so long. He's battled back from this injury. You're not going to tell him to sit for a few extra months and wait until the the playoffs to come back. So he's obviously going to come back. They're going to want to get him some regular season games, some important games. But you're right. I mean, there's no way around it. You're going to have to lose a couple of important guys off of this roster. You know, maybe it's a Riley Smith. I've heard that name floated around there a little bit as well. You know, I think if you're Vegas, you would you want to do your best to not lose a player that's in your top six, to not lose a regular player that plays big minutes for, for you. But I think if you have to do it, you have to do it. And you know that um, on the other side of things, you're getting a Jack Eichel and you're putting him into the lineup, one of the most dynamic young players in the game. I guess my concerns with Jack coming back would be, you know, rust factor, obviously coming back from an injury like that. He's also never really played any important high leverage games in the NHL before. He's been in Buffalo for so long. True. Never been in a playoff race or even been in the playoffs with him there. So I'm not saying he can't do it. He might step up and be a great performer in these big games and in the playoffs, but we just haven't seen it yet from Jack Eichel. But yeah, in terms of the Vegas roster, I think they're going to have to lose a couple pieces, but uh, the good thing is you're getting Jack Eichel. So I don't think it's going to be too bad for Vegas. Vegas. I could see it right now. Jack Eichel wins the Conn Smythe Trophy in his first ever showing in the Stanley Cup go. playoffs. Uh, that would be tremendous. Uh, I wanted to ask you about my wagon, St. Louis Blues. I like to bang that drum a lot on this uh, podcast as well. Am I too high on St. Louis or do you see a lot of what I see, some parallels to the team that won the Cup a couple of years ago? Well, I actually made this point the other day too. And I, I think we quickly forget, and I was totally guilty of this going into the season as well, how recently this team won the Stanley Cup. I know. And I think you could actually look at this team on paper right now and say that it's better than the team that won the Stanley Cup when they're fully healthy. They're, they might be deeper. So I think deep, when, yeah. you look, when you look at their top nine, it might be the deepest top nine in the NHL. Like They have guys that probably should be playing on the first line that they can't even get on the first line when they have everybody healthy. They, you know, a guy like Ivan Barbashev, who's been great this year, trying to find a spot for him on the first line. But at, at some points when they have all their bodies, they have to play him on the third line. David Perron has been really inconsistent because sometimes he's on the third line, sometimes he's on the first line, but it just speaks to the amount of depth that St. Louis has. So I, I didn't know where to place them going into this season. And I think I, I underrated them a little bit and, you know, just forgot that this was a team that had some success a few years ago, had a lot of success a few years ago, wasn't great last year. And I think it was kind of out of sight, out of mind with the blues, but I, I think they're absolutely legit. I think top to bottom, this team is, is really, really deep offensively. I think they have it on the blue line as well. That would probably be my one area of concern would be the blue line, but they, they've been getting good play back there. And, and we know what Bennington's capable of as well. In, in playing big games. So I'm I'm all in on the blues. I'm I'm totally Love sold it. by what they're doing this year. Love it. <laughs> they can't even you were talking about getting some of those guys on the first line. They can't even get some of them on the second line. <laughs> nuts. So yeah. Um, and that division, by the way, is really good as well. I mean, you we're looking right now at a team on the outside like the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't know that they're gonna get in, especially if they downgraded in terms of coach. You know, I don't know that. Um, Lowry's as good of a coach as Paul Maurice is, to be honest. But, you know, looking at the, that division, it's like it's not even St. Louis or Colorado. It's Nashville at the top. Uh, Nashville's beaten Colorado uh, two straight times. They've played each other. Um, Nashville's been probably my biggest surprise of the season. And you're looking at a first round matchup right now based on the standings of St. Louis against either Nashville or Colorado. Um, so that's uh, that would be extremely tight as well. And uh, yeah, it's been crazy to see what Nashville's done. 
on the power play. Like they got like a top five power play in the NHL. I mean, who, who on earth would have ever expected that coming into the season, right? Well, Pete, I, I think what Nashville is doing is what I predicted Winnipeg was going to do this year. So I was wrong on, on Winnipeg. And you said they're, you know, they're out of the playoff spot right now, or at least they're out of that top four in the central division. I really like the Jets going into this year. I looked at them on paper and kind of just what I said about St. Louis, like the top nine of the Jets is just so loaded on paper. I thought, how can this team not have success, especially with a Vesna caliber goaltender in Connor Hellebuck back there? It just hasn't come together for them. I'm just waiting every night. I'm waiting for that Jets offense to burst and maybe it will happen eventually and quietly or not even quietly anymore Nashville is doing what I expected the the Jets to do and they've just thrown a total wrench into all of this you know Nick mentioned St. Louis and what they're doing this year you just mentioned Nashville and what they're doing this year two teams I think some people had out of the playoffs going into this season are now two of the top teams in the central you add Colorado and Minnesota into that mix two teams that I think everybody really liked going into the year and then that just doesn't leave enough chairs for teams like the Jets and teams like the Stars who've just been kind of average this season. So that race in the Central, especially because we won't have any good playoff races in the Eastern Conference, it looks like. <laughs> I think all eyes in the NHL world in the second half of the season are going to be on that Central race and uh, the race in the Pacific and, and just in the Western Conference in general. Yeah, John Hines has been a perfect uh, addition to that Nashville team. And it's just amazing the pipeline of goaltending, right? To be able to go from Pacarine to Usaros, who I don't think gets enough flowers for how good, how tremendous he's been the last couple of years. I think firmly, as you mentioned, uh, involved in that Vesna conversation. Don't forget, they got Yaroslav Askarov, who's probably a couple of years away from being in the NHL. They're built on the back end. Roman Yossi, I think obviously a prime contender for the Norris Trophy. Everything's coming up. Uh, Preds, which uh, is astonishing to me. And speaking of that, Jake, uh, I always like to promote your work, man. You're an absolute stud. I think Jake, quite honestly, in my opinion, is one of the best betting handicappers, period, that I know for any sport. Like, I, are you pumped up for the Winter Olympics? Uh, because I know you're going to be all over that, the men's game, the women's game. Um, you know, in general, can you just tell our listeners and our watchers, um, you know, sort of the angles you look at, some props you look at? Uh, does revenge get in your mind as well? <laughs> Well, yeah, you and I talk about revenge all the time. You can't help yourself. Love but it. on a little revenge, <laughs> but you, I am fired up about the Olympics, probably more so than anybody out there. It is a weird year, though, with COVID and everything like that. You just don't feel the buzz. I didn't feel it in the summer for the Summer Olympics either, so I'm not really feeling the buzz. But I'm doing my biathlon research right now, looking into, you looking into some yeah. lines, <laughs> check, checking it out. So um, I'll certainly be into that in, in about a month or so. But in terms of the NHL, I, I mean, you know, I really like my shot props. I think that that's still a relatively soft market in the in the National Hockey League in, in terms of gambling right now and you could just ride guys that I think the market underrates for a long time like prime example right now you guys you guys have heard of Brad Marchand right you've heard of this no, guy no. he's he's really hot right now and like his shot prop is still at two and a half, which is just wow. crazy to me. He gets four or five shots every single game. So he's like two goals clear of his shot prop every single game. And the market hasn't adjusted to put him to three and a half where guys like Patrice Bergeron usually sit, David Pasternak usually sits. Now they're starting to juice the over a little bit, but he gets it in the first period. So you, you might as well bet it until they change it to three, three and a half. And even at that point, it's still bettable. So these are the kind of things I look for. I, I target like an area market and I just continue to ride these guys game after game until the market uh, d does adjust. But obviously you got to play the, the revenge angle as well. But I, I, I go to you for the revenge. Nick. You're my uh, revenge, revenge consultant. I text you every day if there's a, a good revenge game to bet on. Told you, Michael Bunting point on Thursday, and it happened, Pete. Nailed it.
and 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 the Matthews goal, but I don't think that count. Does that that doesn't count as revenge, right? You never anything's there, revenge. Though. People okay, ask me what revenge. revenge is. I have no clue. It's a, a complicated uh, thing. <laughs> Jake, last one for me. Um, and you do great work on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio, so everybody should uh, subscribe to that, and you can hear more from Jake and Boomer Gordon and all the great work that they do. Uh, do you? Can you leave us with a sleeper, whether it's a cup? Winner, sleeper, a sleeper to come out of one of the conferences, an award sleeper. Give us uh, one that's uh, scratching at your mind right now. Yeah, well, I like to play the future market a lot. And I'm not somebody that likes to bet a lot of futures before the season. I want to see these teams a bit. And I like to see, you know, a dip in some numbers, maybe catch a team while everybody's sleeping on them a little bit and and they've dipped in the odds. So, I, I mean, if you really like the Oilers to get back into this, they've really dipped in the odds market. I'm not big on the Oilers personally, but I, I know some people out there believe in them a little bit more than me. I'd go back to my Winnipeg Jets. I, I'm going to double down, probably, I'm probably tripling down at this point on the Winnipeg peg jets but wow. i've seen them around 50 to 1 in terms of a cup future the problem is what we talked about in the central division and how stacked it is and nashville's doing what they're doing in st louis so the path for the jets is probably a wild card spot at this point but if you look at the teams they're going to be battling with they're better than those teams at least on paper and i, I just think that the quality will eventually rise to the top for the jets and they will find a way to get into the playoffs and you're getting around 50 to 1 on them so you to me you're going to get a playoff team one of the eight teams in the west they're probably going to get a tough matchup in the first round, but that that's what you got to pay 50 to one for. So I'm, I'm going to look at the jets and, and maybe grabbing a good price on them right now. while no one's really thinking about them. You always have something Jake, and you got to leave us with a, a sledge play. We like to hammer job some picks on this podcast. Sometimes you're looking at Thursday slate. You got any hammer mm-hmm. jobs for us that are guarantees or close to nothing's a guarantee. Look at what Arizona right. did. Anything you like on, on Thursday's card. Yeah, well, I, Thursday's card is really interesting. Actually, it's really chalk heavy. Like there's a lot of yeah. big favorites on this card. And I think this is something that we're going to see a lot of moving forward on the betting cards, especially in the Eastern Conference, because you have the haves and the have nots. You have these really good teams, these eight teams that are legit playoff teams. And then you have these t- teams that are just going to be out of it, like Montreal, you know, Ottawa, Buffalo. These teams are just going to be, you know, fed to the wolves, basically, in, in the Eastern Conference. So I think you're going to see a lot of big favorites as the season goes on, and you're seeing it on the card tonight. And, you know, Nick, and, you know, we've been friends for a long time. I love to play my dogs. I think we have to adjust a little bit this year because of what I just said. I think you actually do have to play some favorites. Now, I don't like laying the chalk. I don't like laying minus 250 or minus 300 or making parlay. So I'll usually go to the puck line. I'll lay the minus one and a half. If I have to sweat an empty netter at the end of the game, so mm-hmm. be it. I can, I can certainly live with that. I will hammer play the Carolina Hurricanes tonight on the puck line. Okay. It's around even money against the Jackets. The Jackets are just a disaster defensively. They give up so many high danger chances and Carolina is not exactly the team you want to be facing when you're giving up those high danger chances. So give me the canes on the puck line tonight, boys, minus one and a half to, to just yeah. roll Columbus. Yeah. What happened to Columbus? Such a strong start, but it's been downhill ever since uh, Jake, you're the absolute man. Thanks so much for this today. Loved it boys. Thanks for having me. really appreciate it. All right. There you have it. Jake Hahn of Sirius XM NHL network radio and Mayo media net uh, from there. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, my haircut. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we, we got, we got a touch on Evander Kane, Pete, you know, on social media, we've been hit up all week long with questions about Evander Kane. Uh, do we pick up Evander Kane? We being the fantasy owner, I, I say yes. Uh, as we speak, he's 45% owned in standard leagues. Uh, he's coming off a season, Pete, career high point eight, eight points per game. Uh, and I think honestly, he's going to, 
uh, go to a good team, a good situation. He's a stat stuffer. The player on the ice, you can't dispute Evander Kane's fantastic in fantasy hockey, right? Oh, for sure. His ceiling is extremely high. He covers all the categories, shots, hits, all that stuff. Um, his goals and power play points uh, were better than they ever were before during his time with the Sharks. Even, what was it, last year, he was he was outstanding. He was their best yeah. player. The rest, of, the rest of the team was pretty underwhelming, and he really stood out. Um, unfortunately, uh, his career, things have stood out for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. and it's not a second chance here. It's like whatever, third, fourth, fifth, you know, you're, it's, that's yeah. what you're getting into. It's a risky situation. If he ends up signing, say, with the Edmonton Oilers, playing with Connor McDavid, I mean, he's probably already long gone in your fantasy leagues. But yes, he could do some great things playing with a player of that ilk. Um, Generally speaking, I'm a little leery about this situation. And I don't have a Vander Kane on any of my fantasy teams. And I don't plan on trading for him. I'm going with everybody else on the outside. I just don't. I don't know. It's too, it's too uncertain of a situation for me to buy into fantasy wise. Yeah. Far from over certainly. And we'll see what happens over the next couple of days. He's been linked to Edmonton, Calgary, Florida. I think what Pete and I, you know, speaking for Pete, um, obviously Evander Kane, the player would be a really, really good fit on your fantasy team if he does play. So uh, certainly something to monitor some other questions, Pete, we've been getting a lot about Tom Wilson, which I think are fascinating because Washington just hasn't been healthy all season long guys in and out of the COVID list as we've touched on the last couple of weeks, but since, uh, you know, the last 10 games for Tom Wilson, one goal, one point minus eight, 28 PIMS. I'm still buying low on Tom Wilson. Are you right? I, I would much rather buy in via trade to Tom yeah. Wilson than Evander Kane, um, Evander Kane, all the uncertainty, Tom Wilson, the past three or four years has been category coverage King. Yeah and usually plays with Ovi on the right side. I know Oshie's been there a little bit since coming back. I know throughout the season, guys have been missing. Like you said, Nick, it's starting to catch up to Washington. Um, They were still performing admirably offensively, even without Backstrom for a while. And then a couple of stints on the COVID list for all these guys, Kuznetsov, you know, Ovi and Kuznetsov were playing with uh, Alexi Protus for a while. That didn't work out. You've seen Hathaway up there. I mean, some weird names, but I do think over the course of the season, Tom Wilson will get back to his goal scoring, hitting ways, uh, elite category coverage. And I would certainly buy low on Tom Wilson right now. Love him or hate him out there in terms of non-capitals fans. He's one (laughs) of the best for category coverage in the whole league. And up until a couple of weeks ago, he was still like top 30 overall players so yeah um, take advantage of this rare buy low window for a player like Wilson that's exactly it and then the attachment of guys like Kuznetsov Backstrom Ovechkin you you can't shy away from that John Carlson in the back end I know we got some questions about Zach Fucali I I can't go there just yet especially when you have Vanacek you have Samsonov so probably look further down the road if you want to take a peek at Fucali I just don't see it working out uh lastly I wanted to touch on a couple things uh Elias Patterson the splits, Pete, uh, under Bruce Boudreaux, as we speak right now on this Thursday morning, uh, 10 games played, two goals, three assists, five points, plus three, 16 shots on goal. Like, this guy's got to start shooting the puck. Uh, under Travis Green, he had 61 shots in 25 games, still four goals. But I don't know, Pete, uh, I'm I'm entering that territory. My, it might have to be see you later, Elias Patterson, for this season, because I, I just can't wait anymore. 
I saw an encouraging stat. I mean, it's not an encouraging stat based on performance so far, but the fact that the Canucks have the lowest five on five shooting percentage in the NHL at 6.1%. I mean, look at all the offensive talent on that team. I guess other than JT Miller, nobody's scoring at five on five, but uh, anyway, yeah, I do think Pedersen's going to have a big bounce back. Brock Besser, you saw signs of it before he missed time uh, in COVID protocol. So yeah, those are huge buy low targets for the rest of the season, especially if we're talking about Vancouver getting into the Stanley Cup playoff mix, maybe for the last wild card spot in the Western Conference. I think that that's the play here. You already see how good their goaltending has been. Best oh. five on five save percentage in the NHL, thanks largely largely to Thatcher Demko. But the offense eventually will get going. And I think Bruce will have that team at least on the cusp of the playoffs the rest of the way. Yeah, patience is a virtue could be a theme of this podcast, because if you waited on Evgeny Malkin, if maybe you waited the last couple of weeks on Tuka Rask, you're finally seeing those two names pay off. I just wanted to also add to like monitor Cal Peterson. Uh, I know it's been just two games here in 2022, Pete, but this is a guy both you and I were, were high on to begin the season. 2 0 um, you know, a 0.50 save percentage, 977 save percentage, a 0.50 GA. One shutout uh, in the last couple games, not to mention his new contract kicks in after this season. So it was three times five, by the way. There was a little pressure. I mean, anytime you sign a contract to that degree, there's going to be some pressure. So I actually like Cal Peterson quite a bit here in the second half. So I definitely look at that name moving forward. Yeah, the everybody's still sleeping on the Kings. You know, all that conversation yeah. we had about the Central Division. But the Kings just keep winning games. And it was Jonathan Quick carrying them for a while. But now it's Peterson, who we liked in the preseason. And yeah, yeah I think like, uh, you know, their cup odds are just crazy off the board in terms of like long shots. Like never know. You know, you never know. I, I think their cup odds are plus eighty five hundred. I saw same as Vancouver wow. on one platform. But, you know, the Kings, when you look at their shot attempts percentage, they're top five in the NHL, fifth or sixth, something like that. So um, they have a good system. McClellan's doing a nice job. They just need to find that that uptick in, in scoring. If they could find that from anyone other than Kopitar and Adrian Kempe. I mean, Kempe leads them right now in goals with like 16, 15, 16, and then he leads them in shots. They need some other guys to step up there and carry the torch a little bit for that Kings offense to take the next step. And if they do, they'll be a playoff team. They've been that consistent this year outside of being able to to score which has been an issue no alliteration because his last name starts with a k but contract your campe uh, i'm right there with you I, I think they need at least one more bona fide stud sniper um you know they thought it was victor arvidsson i think he's obviously been much better as of late but kopitar dowdy needs some you need some help right uh you lost chef carter last season we'll see his return coming up as well the um, to, to Los Angeles, but I, I still think, you know, LA, I leave their games wanting a bit more. And I know lately they've been hotter. So certainly I think Cal Peterson's a look, uh, we like LA in, in the second half, uh, you know, to, 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 to make sense of it all. Like I, I think obviously we were in on LA, um, just in the second half to be a much better team. And maybe they sniff around a playoff spot, Pete, I'm with you on that. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, some of these other guys around the league, I mean, obviously, a lot of COVID list additions, uh, some since yeah. we last talked, um, John Gibson from Anaheim, Nikolai Ehlers, Seth Jones, David Perron, 
Orlov from Washington, Jacob Slavin, guys coming off McDavid and Barry, Logan Couture uh, scored a big goal the other day, and Alex Tuck should be ne nearing a return for Buffalo. Um, but yeah, those are some of the, the things that have changed since we last talked. We talked about Malkin coming back. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like Kaprizov is going to come back on Friday, which is really good news. Awesome news. Uh, yeah. We kind of were hoping for that earlier in the week, but uh, Minnesota's already dipped down to a wild card spot. They didn't need to miss any time <laughs> from their best player, who I think is a outside MVP candidate so far. Actually, Kaprizov has been so outstanding this year. So good to see him probably coming back on Friday for Minnesota. I got a couple plays here, Pete, to wrap. Uh, Thursday, Devils and the Islanders. Isles back. Uh, we know with Mackenzie Blackwood now in COVID protocol, that means John Gillies is starting. So give me the Isles money line. They need to make up some ground, as we mentioned throughout the podcast. Mm -hmm. Friday, potential Darcy Kemper revenge game. Like he's going to play one of the two against Arizona. Maybe you wait till he goes to Arizona and plays that game. But nonetheless, I like the Colorado puck line. Uh, against Arizona, but our guy Karel Vimelka, shout out to him. And uh, Saturday, Buffalo and Detroit over. It, it's just been tough news after tough news for like the last decade for the Sabres. And now, um, you know, UPL, uh, Subban out long term. So they're going, you know, with, with guys like Michael Hauser and Aaron Dell for the next little while. So I'd look at the over for a while here with Buffalo. Yeah, they called up Jack Quinn, but they got uh, UPL got injured the other day. He's out week yeah. to week, so that yeah. um, they got destroyed by the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's so, tough. Um, yeah. yeah, it's unfortunate because like one week you're feeling a little more positivity about the Sabers, and then a couple of guys are on the COVID list, like Tuck and and Tage Thompson, and and then the whole team is a disaster. <laughs> so it's um, you know it's more of a marathon than a sprint for them they're on like the two to three year rebuilding plan yeah. just to get back into contention but yeah pretty bleak situation right now for the Sabres I'm not really rostering anybody other than Tuck or Darlene right yeah. now from Buffalo and fantasy with you on that front uh, you know again Pete thanks to Jay Khan that, that was a lot of fun the futures uh, the futures yeah, market's going to be hot over the next little while isn't it yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, I think it's a really tight race for coach of the year right now. I think it's a really tight race for the Norris trophy as well. You got like five or six bona fide contenders for both of those Great. awards. Yeah. So, uh, we will definitely talk a lot more futures in the, in the shows to come and on top of everything we talked about with Jake. So again, for Nick Alberga, Jay Khan, Pete Jensen, we'll talk to you next Monday, waiver wire week 14 with waiver wire james of course looking forward to that leave us a review apple Podcasts, spotify nhl fantasy facebook page to show your support for the program and we'll be back at you next monday thanks for listening to nhl fantasy on ice